To me, magic is hope. It's joy. It's pure, pure passion. It's a feeling that we can create a better earth. It's the sparkle behind people's eyes. Magic is that secret ingredient to getting through those tougher days, and it's the thing that makes dreams actually seem possible. Welcome to an absolute passion project of mine, a collection of conversations telling the stories of people making magic real. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Making Magic Real. (laughs) First things first, sorry about the delay on this episode coming out three days late. I have honestly just been in a bit of a lull probably this last week and a half and initially I was just trying to push through and keep working but the last half of the week I just hit like a complete block and I had no motivation to do anything. I think it's just a bit of a a mix of everything going on in the world and not knowing if I'll like be able to go back to markets or like I guess yeah how does my role and work as an artist look like and I think I just hit a bit of a um yeah just hit a bit of a lull and a bit of a block with everything and especially the start of this week before that Pisces full moon I was just in a really extra heavy fog but today has been the first day I just it completely cleared I have been chipping away slowly at my work and so yeah I'm glad this is up (laughs) and glad I can share this with you and I am just sending lots of love to everyone during this time because it is really really hard and honestly any day you can get out of bed is a good day. (laughs) I've just been yeah I guess setting pretty like low standards myself like if I get out of bed great, if I have a cup of tea great, if I have a shower great, if I do a little bit of gardening amazing. Just reminding myself to just keep holding compassion and love for each day and each moment even though that can be really hard sometimes. But yeah, anyway, this podcast will be on its usual release schedule now. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, leaving a review, passing on to a friend or letting me know what you thought about it is incredible. And yeah, it just keeps it going and keeps spreading these amazing journeys and stories. And today's amazing story and conversation is with Sage, who goes by the pronouns of they, them. And before I jump into sharing a little bit about today's episode, I will put on a trigger warning on this app as part of Sage's self-reflections do contain to some references of sexual trauma lessons. And there is a brief story where Sage confronts a part of their being that didn't want to be here on this earth. And I have attached a helpline in the bio and also Sage's business into the shadow is based around being able to help process and heal past traumas. So definitely get in touch with her if you resonate with this conversation. So Sage's work is empowered by a deep passion for people being able to break out of the sometimes cookie cutter personality we are pressured to squash ourselves into to survive and function in society. And sometimes in this squashing process, we experience trauma, get into unhealthy situations and sometimes fractured parts of our soul. And I love that Sage offers such a range of modalities which we chat about that can really help claim back your power and heal these parts and she does that through psychodrama and just all counseling and hypnotherapy and I'm especially fascinated in psychodrama as a therapy because just that idea of being able to act out and like role play the parts of yourself that have been you know being wounded in the past and just being really to being able to embody it to heal it I really yeah I really love that concept 
We also talk a little bit about journeying into parts of the shadow self and how Stage's choice to have a short time of celibacy really strengthened personal sexual and body boundaries, which has further then created space to claim back being able to vocalise their personal truth. So yeah, I really hope you enjoy today's chat with Sage and yeah, let's jump right in. (laughs) So welcome Sage to episode 11 of Making Magic Real. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) So today we're going to be chatting about channeling like sexual energy into creating a business and celibacy and diving into the shadow self just like self-analyzing I guess our experiences yeah I'm really excited to have this conversation I'd actually manifested like I like put down the topic I want to talk about and I like manifested it and then like literally a week later at the witchy womb bar beach morning Mm. you were there and just like mentioned a few of those themes I was like it's sage (laughs) (laughs) sage is the one to have this conversation with I've materialized literally (laughs) the universe is like she's here I'm like oh great So Mm. before we dive into all those things, tell a little bit about yourself and I guess why you've studied what you've studied and why you're bringing this business into creation. Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, So my business is called Into the Shadow. I create it because I just found that there was a gap in the market. Mm. It felt like a lot of fringe dwellers, misfits, those that are marginalized, kind of were falling through the cracks. Like most people who have studied psychology or any therapeutic courses, it was because I just saw a lack of, you know, like the typical therapist who was almost speaking from a textbook and it really didn't resonate with me as someone who is um, quite neurodivergent. I just wanted to feel seen and heard and to be on the same level and Instead of having this um this strange power dynamic and so yeah that came about I studied um counseling in 2013 so it's quite some time ago I flunked high school and <laughs> I just remember being like well I'm gonna do it anyway like I know yeah. this is what I'm passionate about and um I want to be a therapist and at the time I really wanted to be a psychologist. So I, yeah, finished my diploma of counselling, got into psychology, but something wasn't sitting right in the third year. I was just, I thought in the third year I would be given the tools and techniques to be able to explore and empathise and Mm. connect with people on a more humanistic basis but they just didn't give that to you no it was more like analyzing yeah and so I took up another course um, in hypnotherapy and gestalt Mm. counseling which is where I was exposed to psychodrama um, and um, NLP and other really beautiful holistic alternative approaches and what's the word gestalt mean yeah gestalt uh, is a is a German person who is like created that style it's more like an action driven process yeah so in psychodrama yeah psychodrama same thing it's like they were of the same time and so Mm. more like action based so you know you've got your role playing or bringing things into the now so it's not really going back into the past but bringing the past into the now like how is the past impacting you in this present moment that's cool Mm. and I feel like you get to like you'd really get to embody those sides of yourself Mm. do they play it out one-on-one or is it then almost like a small drama play amongst a group yeah I'm yet to have done any group work um I've only had one-on-one which I think is really nice and quite personal not opposed to the group dynamics. I think that would be really nice and intimate to connect to a whole bunch of folks. Um, the moment I'm, I'm really interested in just working one-on-one so mm. people feel like 
safe and secure yeah. to to dive deep into those shadowy aspects yeah true it's just like the most vulnerable side of yourself when you're like lean to a group you go <laughs> like if i wouldn't like would not be more terrified true one-on-one <laughs> one-on-one makes way more sense yeah yeah um yeah that's incredible i feel like there's such a need for that as well because one size doesn't fit all and especially with counseling and healing and I love the concept like I actually hadn't really heard much about psychodrama and like doing therapy and healing that way so I kind of love that there's an actual outlet for that yeah Mm. definitely I think the CBT model is great but it doesn't it doesn't suit all Mm. people and so I'm really focusing on the folks that yeah like I said are the marginalized or you know Mm. that aren't fitting into that um, stereotypical neurotypical mentality yeah and did you like what is the reason behind you feeling so connected to that group what has been like points in your has there been points in your life that you have felt like you were marginalized or felt like you were in the outskirts and you weren't receiving that help or yeah would you like to chat a bit about that Mm, yeah that's a good question I always say it takes one to know one yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um and you know I think I just have this strong belief that the misfits, they are the creatives, they are the leaders, you know, they tend to be the ones who are, yeah, the dreamers and who um, are bringing society out of this weird stagnancy. And I think when they, or when I at least accepted my, my own kind of weirdness and my strangeness and I was given an outlet to express it, um, be it through performance or music, um then yeah I felt more me and so mm, I was able to connect like with like you know wider groups and my surroundings a bit more and just feel into belonging Mm -hmm. as opposed to you know being the naughty kid from school and (laughs) always sent out and angsty and misunderstood (laughs) and my raccoon eyes and (laughs) (laughs) back out in the trees raccoon eyes (laughs) you know that heavy scene like emo makeup like just that feeling of being misunderstood and Mm -hmm. yeah people didn't really understand how my little ADHD brain worked (laughs) it feels like whenever I like it's nice to see nowadays there is more awareness and like more people are talking about this sort of thing but it's crazy how like as a whole collective as a whole society it's still okay to just like create these like impossible standards people have to like normalize themselves like little boxes I guess for people to fit in for them to belong like it's so strange I know it's so strange to me that we're just so unaccepting of people who are like different to us Mm. whether it's in like a way they act or yeah whether they're just like they seem like really crazily dressed or just like any ways we're just like oh we can't I don't understand what they're doing so I'm just gonna like push them to the outside Um, yeah the biggest thing is like it's almost like stunted expression and creativity yeah so just become this like cookie cutter society I don't stand for that (laughs) (laughs) not at all I'm just gonna read your own words I'm gonna read everyone your your words (laughs) because I just really loved this I feel it yeah so you had written this is off your website, by the way. Duality and domestication are highness programs in our societal conditioning. Behaviours that are deemed appropriate to society help form the persona, and those that are considered to be unacceptable and outlandish are often repressed, with therein create the shadow. Our need to survive and belong amongst our social groups can elicit an array of psychological defence mechanisms that fend off perceived threats 
and help the individual to exist with the least amount of resistance. When I saw it, I was like, whoa, so true. Because I feel like I keep getting the word comfortability come up a lot lately too, and like discomfort. And I think that comes into, I've been realising how much lately that I have in certain aspects of my life squished myself um, to like fit into those norms and Mm -hmm. fit into like the programs. And then how weird it is we just, as humans, we're so uncomfortable with being uncomfortable Mm. but yeah how would you kind of suggest to people that you would be able to embody who you are more or like step out of programming Mm. so Mm. I just like threw that on you I just that's a really good question and I think I think it really is looking at the unconscious or letting Mm. that unconscious part of you have that space to be seen and to be acknowledged because we've put so much mental and emotional energy into suppressing and, you know, fighting it, fighting it from coming up. Mm. But then when we just allow ourselves to sit with it and allow whatever is, you know, in the gallows of us to arise, that's when we can really understand ourselves more and be more whole. Mm. Um, and so I always ask people to reflect on what is it that they feel heaved about other people's behaviours. Mm. And I think that's always something that we predominantly have in ourselves and unconsciously project. And so yeah. really thinking like, what really frustrates you? What's really irksome? Um, and that's always a nice little insight. Mm. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, and talking about like understanding yourself as well, understanding as a whole, a topic we really wanted to dive into today as well is just we've both done a, like a period in taking like a celibate, celibacy, celibacy time. Mm. And I think there's a, maybe there's like slightly different like um, interpretations of celibacy, like especially maybe religious ways. But I guess we're chatting about today, like we've chosen to be celibate or go through a period short or longer of yeah. like not having sex to like explore parts of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I love how you yeah. said we've chosen because so many people are like, oh yeah, I've been celibate. Uh, it wasn't by choice. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. would be a dry spell. That would, yeah, that's a dry spell. <laughs> Let's chat about yeah when you were celibate, how long was it for? And did you set yourself like rules or boundaries? Mm, yeah, good question. <laughs> so I, the only rule I really had, well, the main one was yeah. be celibate for a year and I wasn't to romantically connect with other folks um, or to be intimate. Um, and I guess that I my perception did change over a year yeah. of um what intimacy could feel like and so I think I found that I was actually quite happy to be intimate with um platonic relationships mm. you know like sleeping next to a friend and spooning or you know um writing love letters to friends and yeah. I felt like those romantic needs that I'd had once in this um you know hierarchical uh, romantic partner mm-hmm. um, kind of concept was um, yeah fulfilled. I really resonate with that too down that rule of like I'm not going to date anyone mm-hmm. I'm not going to sleep with anyone but yeah I found on the flip side like all my friendships strengthened mm-hmm. because yes. you have that like I had that extra energy to like put into people and like I even began to develop male friendships whereas before I'd sabotage male friendships with like sex Mm -hmm. or just like it wouldn't even happen because I've already like you know like I'd already like cut them off thinking like oh they just want sex or like because that's what I was projecting right okay um but yeah I like yeah like deepen those friendships Mm. still with that love energy most definitely Yeah. yeah 
And I think, like, at the start of it, I was like, I'm not going to kiss anyone, like, no one at all. Um, But interesting enough, I think it was seven or eight months in, I was travelling with my best friend um, down to Canberra. She was going to do her, um, get her Swedish um, residency visa. And so, yeah, I remember telling her before we walked into this amazing bar, it was like a an only 80s bar this beautiful <laughs> light up dance floor and uh, I said to her oh, I just really want to kiss someone tonight like I'd miss kissing someone yeah and um sure enough I walk in the first like five minutes lo and behold there was this gorgeous girl on the dance floor and I was like absolutely like she was striking so I was absolutely smitten and I just wanted to take a photo of her because I'd just got this new camera and so I asked like my artistic muse (laughs) (laughs) very much so and so I asked to take a photo of her and she said in return can I kiss you and I was like wow that that was easy (laughs) yeah but the the boundary I think that was crossed um or what I felt uncomfortable with was that shortly after and she pulled my hand and we were going to the bathrooms and um next thing I know we're in the cubicle and I almost felt like the word no or all of my boundaries were just like swelling and swollen and just stuck in like my throat um, and I couldn't express it. It's something that I've had to deal with during that period of time that, um, you know, I could have said no quite easily yeah. to a man, but um, females or NBs, I've kind of just been like, oh, like it's different mm-hmm. somehow. Um, I have now since learned. But anyway, so, you know, we're in this cubicle, we're making out, and um, I was really stressing out. <laughs> and, all of a sudden I hear someone vomiting in the cubicle next to us and I'm saved by the vomit. So I quickly put my head over the wall between (laughs) us and was like, are you okay? Like, can I get you some water? Um, And yeah, that was my cue to get out of that situation. But obviously the person I was with was not very excited and she did take off. Um, But I was so grateful. Never been yeah. more grateful for vomit in my life. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> someone vomit, please. <laughs> Any shitty situation, someone vomit. <laughs> I actually kind of, I find that really interesting too, is like, yeah, I feel like I definitely learned like through celibacy to get my voice back. Yes. Um, yeah. And like that saying no comes from an empowered place. But yeah, it's weird how it like gets stuck. Mm. And it's like. I don't know. Yeah, do you feel comfortable saying no now when it's like you like, oh, I don't feel comfortable here? Or do you still feel that like stuckness come up? Mm, Such a good question. I think the biggest thing I learned during celibacy was Mm. setting boundaries. Mm. Um, I think a lot of boundaries and why I chose to be celibate, a lot of boundaries around my bodily autonomy were crossed um, and trust was broken. Yeah. Uh, And so that... It's kind of a cyclical thing, right? Like when you haven't dealt with something, then it keeps coming up and coming yeah. up. Here I am again. Yeah. And you're like, I thought I healed you. And it's like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. You pretended to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. And so I had many experiences during the celibacy where people had, you know, like um, smacked my ass without consent, oh. like on the street or, you know, a friend who had done that or like... Yeah, people just really crossing boundaries um, and then being able to find my voice. Mm. So I think that was huge. And now I do feel quite comfortable and Mm. thankfully don't see women as super intimidating anymore just because 
Wow, striking beings, but (laughs) (laughs) so magnificent. (laughs) Was Mm. there like certain points just got to a point where then you could be like, here's my boundaries? Like, was it? Mm. I know that's something that's easy to remember. Sometimes it's just like, you know, you learn lessons and you're like, that's just in me now. But yeah, Mm. was there a certain like experience or time you're like, oh wow, now I've really cemented? Yeah, yeah. it's it's a deep, deep um, part of my psyche that I had to go through. Mm. Um, I do recall a memory, a moment. I was in Newtown and um, I was waiting to go into this bar and I saw um, my parents' good friend who Mm. I always felt a bit strange around. Um, And I'd express that to them, that he was just a bit of a creep, like, you know, just that feeling of... Body intuition's never wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so he was approaching, and I think I'd shaved my head, and so he didn't recognise me immediately. And I I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, here's my chance. I can run across the other side of the road, Mm -hmm. and I won't even be seen, and it'll be fine. And then there was this other part of me, like this warrior part that went, no. My feet are planted. I'm going to stand here, stand my ground. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm just, um, yeah, going to see what what arises. And yeah. and so he was like, once he noticed who I was, he was like, oh, Sage, like, you know, so nice to see you. Um, and then went in for this hug. And I just remember putting my hand down and went, I'm, I'm not hugging at the moment, mm. um, but I can give you a fist bump. Yeah. And, <laughs> And he said, he just went into this rage of, what do you mean? Like, I'm your godfather. You owe it to me. And just really shaming me um, and not giving him. And I went, this is ridiculous. Like, you should listen to yourself. And then I went, you know what? I'm not standing for this. I'm going to go inside now. So as I went inside, he smacked my ass. Um, And so this is someone I've known since I was a child and felt uncomfortable with since I was a child. Yeah, and so I just, it was almost like I'd been waiting for that moment to just retaliate and I did it in such a calm, like, way, which I was really impressed with myself about instead of just, like, raging back, you know, just said, you have crossed a line, you know, that's, like, you know, not on and just really, like, I was obviously enraged but, yeah, I think that was the the moment where it was the turnaround of I could speak my mind and quite confidently and quite clearly and I don't accept that behaviour. Yeah, it almost felt like the closing of a door. Um, yeah, so that was really quite powerful. Yeah, and I love how you like that warrior spirit stepped in. Do you feel like it's like that always see this like that shadow side has this aspect of the warrior like I always used to call like the dark warrior it can be a really strong thing like it can be part of you and I feel like when you were saying that I was like oh just like that stepping in of like this is me this is my boundary I like that yeah. dark warrior I hadn't thought of it like that but I, I suppose mm. if you know you're told as a child um, you must respect this person because mm. that's our friend and they are older and that's your godfather yeah. and la 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 then you suppress that warrior part of yeah. yourself yeah. and just suppress it and suppress it and like imagine too like if that particular day you had just like you know gone with the whole like good girl act or like good mm. you know even like good boy like following the rules act like just like gone into that like way of being I feel like every time we do that as people like a little part of you dies mm. like a little part of you just like gets a little bit more numbed or like a little bit more like pressed down it splits off into the shadow yeah yeah to the shadow <laughs> that's so good such a 
good name for your business. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's just so empowering. I think when you get those parts back, it's just like slowly stitching them back together mm-hmm. one like piece at a time. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like um, soul retrieval, you know, it feels like, like you're just that. gaining these parts back, like yeah. you're just you know out in the ether collecting yeah. all these little pieces of yourself and becoming more whole and more accepting of you yeah i'm kind of imagining at the moment like wearing like a big velvety because there's a lot of velvet around here i'm like imagining like a big velvet green coat and then like walking through the galaxy with a basket just like like so like picking strawberries just like collecting bits of your soul you're like i'll have that bit Oh, that'd be a really cool artwork. I would love to see that yeah. in the Yeah. There you go. Thanks for that little... <laughs> Thanks for sharing that memory. <laughs> yeah, sexual energy is creative energy. Mm. And, like, sexual energy is also just, yeah, life force energy. Mm. And I feel like people try and separate them. And I actually... I'm just making a quote. So I found this really good quote, which just sees all together really nicely in a much more concise way than I would do it. It was by Napoleon Hill. And it's, like, when harnessed and redirected directed along other lines this motivating force of like sex energy maintains all of its attributes to keenness of imagination courage etc which all may be used as a powerful creative force in literature art or any other profession or calling including of course accumulation of the riches and i just like love that claiming back claiming back your sexual energy Mm. as like Mm. a force that you can use as creatively or like i love like courage like that would have taken you courage Mm. to be like don't like i'm not taking hugs but like i just find it so exciting that it's like we have this big power source here in us like waiting to be tapped into yeah yeah definitely and Mm. i think like when you are chronically dating like i was you know i was i was 15 when i started dating and sexually active so yeah i kind of just fell into into place Um, but i think from then then another person showed and then that would end and then another person and because i i love people and i have so much love to give i just it was so easy to to just keep dating and i know that we spoke about this before but it almost got to this point where i was just i was so confused and so broken Mm. um and it got to this point where I just, uh, nobody could give me what I needed at that time. Like I, I just knew that only I could give myself what I needed, which was just like that creative freedom and to have that time to just sit with myself and sit in the darkness yeah. and really see what's going to bubble up um, before it just explodes one day. Yeah. Maybe actually, yeah, do you mind giving like a meaning of shadow self before I dive into asking you? Mm-hmm. Like what bubbled up for you? Because I'm really fascinated in that. Um, yeah, what is what is the shadow self? So we're talking about the shadow side. Yeah, what does that encompass? Mm, yeah, it was coined by Jung. So in analytical psychology, it refers to the parts that are so deeply repressed um, that they take on this formation that is the unconscious. And so I think the important thing is to emphasize that it's different from socialization. So, for instance, you've learned that screaming at people out in public is, you know, not really socially apt. (laughs) So you're conscious of that. I will not scream at this person in public because that's just not cool. (laughs) You look crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Whereas the shadow part, it's the unconscious. Mm. So it slips out and it can slip out through projection or, you know, things where yeah, it, it's the unknown, right? Mm. And so I think that's why it's important to really try to tap into what it is that irritates you or what it is that, you know, when you're watching a film, why is it that you're, you're laughing so intensely over that mm. thing? Or why is it that you're crying so intensely over that thing? It's like these, these beautiful triggers mm. that open up this doorway into the unconscious. I love that. Triggers into the doorway. Mm. When you were going through that stage too of like exploring that like dark, gritty, like shadowy side, like do you have any, I guess, like traits that come to your front of mind that were coming up for you or like things that you Mm. were exploring here? During the year of celibacy, I think the biggest thing was boundaries. I don't think it was anything that was um, coming up in the shadowy aspects. I'd done a lot of shadow work before as I had just finished my class but the biggest one and why I love gestalt counseling Mm. um psychodrama methods was um I had volunteered to be the person who was having a counseling session with my teacher and you know I was interested because I I didn't have anything going on at the time I I thought oh I'm pretty pretty sound you know nothing's gonna come up yeah (laughs) and that's why I was more shocking when she was just keep probing 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 (laughs) and the next thing I know I I had this I found the split um, Mm -hmm. between the current and you know the child the child self um, who was in the in the shadows and um, it was this the intrusive thoughts of I don't need to be here and I can easily not be here and I don't know if I want to be here and the conscious adult part of me was mortified, mm. you know. I was thinking, I love life and, uh, you know, so jovial. And so I was really quite upset that there was a part of me that mm. wanted to die. Um, just, like, pushed it down at the end. Yeah, exactly, yeah. because I was in, ashamed. I was embarrassed of that part. Um, and I think throughout that process together, I got to learn that hey, actually, that part was super valuable mm-hmm. and that was used as a survival mechanism of if things get really bad, I can just get yeah. out of here <laughs> um, and to have that control taken back. Yeah. Um, and I think a big part of doing the shadow work is to acknowledge that part and to actually validate and accept it and to show it love. And so my rage turned into this, like, um, yeah, this compassion for this child self. Mm. And, you know, it almost felt like just like cradling this this young person. And, it, yeah, I just feel it in my heart already. It's like yeah. that that aspect of me had been reclaimed and now enjoys life and living. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that just was a survival mechanism, you know, back in the angsty teen days. Yeah. <laughs> Hidden away. Yeah. I love that, like, imagery too of, like, cradling that part of yourself. Mm. It's so nice. Yeah, it's interesting when you are triggered to always put my hands on my heart and just ask, what is it that you need? How can you express yourself in a healthy manner? And just giving it another role. So if, you know, if anger is coming up, which is a massive one that is suppressed for many folks, yeah. um, you know, instead of suppressing it, how can we express anger in a really healthy manner? Yeah. And for me, I'm cranking the stereo, <laughs> thrash metal all the way, <laughs> head banging. <laughs> Love it. I, you know, that's, that's all I need. <laughs> Icy cold water, something like that. 
as yeah, opposed to cold water, yeah. being in a fight and then raging at yeah. a loved one and then feeling really guilty about and then it. just like literally creating trauma for them mm. and <laughs> yourself yeah. yeah yeah i feel like anger is yeah anger is something as a society we don't i think we actually shun that away mm. i feel like that would almost yeah definitely come into shadow side definitely yeah kind of last year i felt angry for the first time and I was like like proper angry for like a couple of months like I was just like and it was unfamiliar to me like mm-hmm. I kind of didn't know what to do with it and I almost felt like like it just seemed so out of character like I almost tried mm-hmm. to deny myself feeling angry because it was like not in my perceived character that I'd mm-hmm. drawn up for myself um like little happy fairy like Especially as a socialised female, I think. Like yeah. reading Clementine Ford's book on Fight Like a Girl. Oh, I haven't read that. A really fascinating book. Oh. That was the first insight I had to. Um, it's actually okay to be angry. Yeah. That just shook me. And yeah. it sounds so <laughs> mundane, but like it's okay to be angry. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And like, yeah, having that reassurance. I mean, I read that. Mm-hmm. Fight Like a Girl. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like I've definitely found too, like my anger now, I I learned to like sit with it, let it like let myself feel it. I know at the time I like was like, I need to take a month of social media because <laughs> I was like just so angry. I was like, I don't want any I don't want to take this down to anyone else. Like I need to sit with this anger. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like if anything, it's like there's always a flip side to things. Like now I've transmuted it to like this like driving force in me that just like mm-hmm. backs up. Like I like to think of it as like, um, I guess like a, I guess I always bring in that warrior like energy again, but that like that feeling of like almost like a second layer of person standing behind me. And that is like my anger, but in like the form of like, so like anger for me is like an intensity of energy. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's really intense. And like, if you channel that intensity of energy into like projects you want to do, not coming from a place of anger, but just like trans, I just haven't explained this right. Transmute it to like an intensity energy, but then through passion yes yeah there we go yeah i was like i'm getting there somewhere um two sides of the same coin isn't it exactly yeah i love how you said transmuting it because yeah yeah, if you give it a healthy outlet passion is such an amazing feeling like oh beautiful fiery yum whereas anger sometimes it can just feel it's spiraling out and you don't know how to pull it back in and it's quite scary um you know when you're just seeing red but the passion mm -mm. i'd love to also just have a little bit of a chat about the kind of like seeking approval complex so this came up for me like probably like two months ago I was doing like a masculinity course because I was like look how in touch am I with like my masculine traits and that kind of thing and one of the questions was I think it was something like write down an inventory of what you keep secret Mm. um which I was like I'm pretty I'm an open book like I'm just like I'll talk to anyone like Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know you do the questions and I sit down and I'd like I'd written down five things that I like have never told anyone I realized like don't talk about and they were all based on like sexual incident or experience all with like I kind of broke them down and they all came back to the concept of the reason I'd ended up in some of these really shitty situations was because I was seeking approval of either like my friends or that guy who was in front of me or like whoopsie um I don't know seeking approval from like goodness knows what something outside of myself Mm How would you, if someone, how would you deal with that, like in a session of like how to not want to seek approval? I would say it's validating yourself. Yeah. And possibly 
Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think that was the biggest thing of why I did embark on this mm-hmm. year of celibacy was because I, you know, the wounded child had just continuously sought out avoidant and dismissive partners. And so, you know, I would I would do a painting or write a song and um, I would show my, my lover and, you know, he would just be like, mm. Oh, <laughs> my God. I'd be like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, and it was almost like it was normal for me. It was the wounded child being like, hey, mom, hey, dad, look at this, I've drawn this, and them being like, I'm, I'm too busy, or like yeah. not even showing interest. So attracting that emotionally unavailable. And so to put an end to that pattern, mm. I had to validate myself. Yeah. So everything that I did, it was like, you know, just look at that wow I've done that and just, mm. and just like yeah keep having that belief in yourself because the mind is is so programmed towards the the negative you know it's geared towards negative thoughts so really channeling and bringing that conscious energy towards look at that I've done that I'm so proud of myself and asking yourself what are you proud of about you you know like what have you achieved um and yeah just really redirecting and validating and especially feelings I think it's important to if you're feeling upset if you're feeling angry validating that and so you're not having to seek that out in other people I think that's so important like especially now with like even like social media like which is like based on like seeking approval of like how people respond to what you put out into the world Mm. when you just like then you just carry that anyway but then yeah like how you're saying like you just putting that out into relationships and that would just be an endless cycle because then if you're attracting relationships that weren't getting you the approval you wanted you'd constantly be seeking it and just like continuing that loop Mm. like yeah I think that's a really nice question to like self-reflect on or Mm. sit and journal with and like yeah what parts of myself am I going to validate and how's the creation process of your business been (laughs) there's always like parts of me laughing when I'm asking a question but it's like do you laughing before this <laughs> okay um yeah and I guess how has the creation or like birthing process of your business been mm. have you yeah. found it like challenging like being like this is what I do or like pretty easy uh, I feel like yeah sometimes like how I navigate life is things just fall into my lap <laughs> uh, you know being here right now obviously I've acquired such a beautiful space just surrounded in plants and a big theatre and just absolutely everything it's I could It's stunning yeah. we're at the base mental health service. Yes integrated about this. community <laughs> centre um, and so there's a lot of therapists working here and, and people who aren't therapists but volunteers and you know we have movie nights and OTs and cool. psychiatrists and psychologists and just a whole range of beautiful beautiful humans and so yeah very very lucky to um, have found this place the difficulties though <laughs> self-managing like uh, you know the marketing aspect of it or realizing you know at the start I was like I'm my own boss excellent but then who's actually paying me <laughs> calculating my hours you know that has to be that has to be me yeah and so, yeah, I think just, just knowing like, okay, I've put three hours into writing this article or doing notes for clients or things like that. 
And so, yeah, am I like, you know, am I taking enough breaks or, you know, when can I have a holiday and how much should I be putting away into my super because obviously that's not done by my employee. I haven't put any in my super if there's any consolation. <laughs> so anything you put is more than me. <laughs> also on zero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's really interesting, like, as you start taking into account, like, all those little decisions, there's kind of no line between, like, work-life balance when it's mm. your business is like obviously too when it's created from passion mm. you're going to be just doing it in your spare time that there's like not really actually like there's no like you know you could clock in at nine you end at five like it's kind of like you're always thinking about it yeah that, that's definitely right yeah yeah I've kind of I've come to a realization the last few months for a while I was just let myself be completely consumed when I first started like mm. just let my business consume me and then I was like, oh, my God, no, I need to create, like, healthy work-life balance vibes. Mm. And then I, like, tried to really regiment in this, like, time outside my business. But then I realised, I was like, well, that's not good because, like, I had this passion for a reason mm. that, like, why not – if the energy's in me, it needs to be used. Like, if the energy wants to come forward and be like, I want to put this into the business, it's coming forward for a reason at this point in time because obviously working towards something – that you can't see yet mm, yeah I love yeah. that and there's also that risk of am I going to be burning out yeah. my passion yeah you know if I'm doing something for monetary reasons am I just drying up all that creativeness yeah. instead of doing it for fun and you know because I feel passionate and driven towards it yeah mm. and then you have money on top of that have mm. you found it have you made prices for yourself yet I have. Um, that was probably actually the biggest challenge mm. at the start. I um, was offering people, like, you know, back in the day when I was providing Reiki, I would say, I oh, don't know, come in for free or by donation. And yeah. I was doing like an hour and a half. Oh, my goodness. Like, service for four dollars five dollars or you know a cooked meal and that was lovely and it was nice to get my name you know and put out there but um I was exhausted Mm. and um also starving and I think you can't help the poor and starving when you are the poor and starving and so now I've set it all just to um $97 for all of my services which is still below the the average but I think um I just as someone who has been on Centrelink or you know a uni student and has struggled with not having that much cash or um, disposable income then I've really wanted to provide a service for for those folks who yeah. you know I want people to be able to eat as well yeah. as um you know go yeah. seek therapy <laughs> so yeah that's yeah. important to me at the moment and interesting enough when I did change the price to 97 a lot more people started coming in it's almost like they they saw that I valued myself therefore they valued themselves and wanted to be there and they did the work whereas you know for four dollars or for donation people don't really have to show up for themselves so I always love to ask people this question (laughs) what is your like biggest wildest dream for the future Mm. no limitations just go wild wow current one I'm so deeply fascinated with Jungian psychology Mm. and because I did leave the psychology course of three years I 
I didn't really like that institutional setting and I wanted to do more like art-based approaches. Yeah. So now I'm I'm looking more into getting a master's in Jungian psychology or mm-hmm. um, psychodrama and you know learning more about these different modalities like movement, dance therapy, um, work with psychedelics. Yeah. And so just like I just want to continue learning and be able to be of service to yeah. those in the community. So that doesn't sound like much of a um, wild, big dream. No, I feel like it's, like, <laughs> it's exciting, though. It obviously keeps you going, too, and, like, discovering about these things. Like, follow your, follow your curiosity. Mm, mm, I love that, yeah. follow your curiosity. And what a beautiful dream to have. Mm, thank you. Yeah, it's so cool. It does feel like a dream sometimes. Doesn't it? <laughs> I'm always like, oh, <laughs> what is real? I do that all the time. (laughs) I went through a stage where I had like super realistic dreams that like they just felt like normal life that I'd forget which was which. Like I'd be like, yeah, I told you about that, and like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, oh, I told you my dream, but like I just they just merged. Like I just didn't know which was which for a bit there. I love that as Um, well. Like dream work is so fascinating and so much so a part of Jungian. psychology and so like yeah knowing that dreams are real and Mm. they may appear to be different than physical reality but nonetheless they are very much so real like have you ever woken up from a dream and that feeling stays with you throughout Mm. the day maybe it's like discomfort or maybe it's like you know feeling blithely nonetheless you're feeling it so true I've never thought about like that What's your, like, most vivid dream this week, if you've had any? Mm. <laughs> if you remember, you're like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um, slept at my partner's house and um, I woke up from this dream and I told her, I was like, oh, wow, I had this dream that, like, my date had, you know, had all of these oranges and they were, like, you know, they were cutting them up and it was, like, these beautiful stars and it was so magical and she was like, I have all of these oranges oh for my you. Oh, my God. <laughs> dropped off a whole bunch of these gorgeous, fragrant oranges. So plump and yummy. And so that was a bit of a wig out. I think that that tends to happen to me a lot, though. I dream You're of something. psychic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's That's strange. crazy. <laughs> people bring me oranges. Oh, thank you so oh before we go where can people like find you in the online realm yeah in the online realm where would you like to be found uh, <laughs> you can find me uh, Instagram is um, into the shadow 11 why um, 11 ooh, I love number things yeah I always run to number 6 and 11 and yeah I think years back I found that that was my life path number cool. I think 11 just always pops up at the right times. And as soon as you said, yeah. this is um, the 11th. Oh, my God. Yeah. And how funny. So, oh, I, okay. Well, yeah. And actually, I had a podcast with Emma last week, but I'd originally wrote down order, like, it was going to be you, then Emma. Then the way it fell, it just so happened, like, you've fallen on 11 instead mm. of 10. That's so crazy. <laughs> it seems to always happen like that. Whoa. So 11 is this uh, auspicious thing. I'm so glad I asked. Now it's like extra special. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> Spooky things. Um, cool. And also a website, um, which should be up and running, um, which is, yeah, intotheshadow.com.au. I'll do a little, like, taggy thing and stuff. Oh, lovely. Thank you so much. It's been really fun. It I've has. loved chatting with you. Yeah.
thank you so much for like coming on making magic real oh my gosh yes yeah. thank you so much for <sighs> making my face hurt from laughing <laughs> Need a bit of a laugh. Yeah, Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Awkward. Bye. Oh no, I lost the podcast. No. That'd be so savage. Can't please speak like that. Oh. Thank you for listening to episode 11 of Making Magic Real. I really appreciate you taking the time to immerse yourself in these stories. If you appreciated the app, passing it on to a friend, sending me a message or leaving an Apple review are just all wonderful ways to that make my day and help spread this podcast further. I hope you are coping okay through these bizarre, bizarre times and just always remember how magical you truly are and we've got this. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for being here and I'll see you next time. All the love and all the hugs. Bye.